What everybody? Welcome to the Export. I am Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka somebody who I gotta know. I know you said that you probably weren't gonna be able to watch all of the Bears and Titans preseason game from a week ago, but did you get to catch at least a little bit of it? And if so, what were some of your thoughts? I didn't get chance to catch any of it. I watched the highlights of it. Um, you know how the NFL do the condensed game highlights. Mm -hmm. I watched that. I think the thing, the biggest thing for me is just the the um, the backup quarterback race. Like Malik Willis, he did look better. He obviously still had some issues. Like it was one throw that I remember seeing where he over he overthrew somebody. I think it was the one on the interception mm -hmm. where it was where it was bad accuracy. But he looked good. Will Levis kind of looked good he had a bad mistake too so that was the biggest thing it kind of was good to see um that like some of our other running backs looking like they're starting to develop and get better because i mean i would love to have Derrick Henry be great for like another five to six years but i don't know how pop how like realistic that is and i don't know if you would actually draft another running back because i feel like we would have we would have more gaping needs in other areas unless we find one of those diamond and a rust. But it was good to see like her son Haskins had a good a good day somewhat. I forgot the other running back but he broke off like the big run. Tajay um, Spears. Was it was it Spears or I, is he number thirty six? I'm not sure what number he is, but I'm trying to think of what other running backs on y'all roster. I know it's Haskins, I know it's Tajay. Uh, currently, uh, Julius Chestnut and Jonathan Ward. So, yeah, it was Julius Chestnut. He broke off a couple good runs. Um, so, yeah, I think that was good. I mean, from a defense, from the defensive perspective, it's like it wasn't – they made plays. The thing that kind of bothered me is, like, everybody was hyping up the DJ Moore big touchdown, and it's like – Bro, he's playing, like, probably second and third strangers. He's supposed to do this. And, like, hyping up Justin Fields when, like, he only completed three passes and two of those passes were screens. So, yeah. But I thought it was good overall. I think the touchdown to DJ was against starters. Um, but, I mean, like you said, it was a screen pass. It wasn't, like, a bomb or anything. He just – DJ just made a hell of a play in the open field. But, yeah, I feel you on the Justin Fields stuff. It'll be interesting to see um, how he performs this upcoming week. Actually, more specifically in a few hours because they got – the Bears have joint practices with the uh, Colts, so I'm interested to see how he looks and interested to see how much playing time he's going to get this week in the preseason to see if he can replicate some of those uh, plays or moments that he had in preseason week one. Uh, but before we get to preseason week two – uh, as always, be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The Export. Brief overview of what we got for you guys. Uh, continuing on our tour of the NFL this week, we are going to look 
at the AFC and NFC North. Uh, we're going to break that down just like we did the AFC and NFC East uh, last week. Um, also, we're going to talk about the recent uh, running back signings in the AFC East, of course, meaning Zeke to the Patriots, Dalvin Cook to the Jets, and what that means not just for the team, but for the running backs who were their starters last year. And then with the NBA, we are going to look at the latest timeline of the James Harden versus Daryl Morley drama and how we think it is all going to play out. So without further ado, let's go ahead and kick things off with the NFL. Looking at some roster moves, the uh, New Orleans Saints signed linebacker Jalen Smith to a one-year deal. The Cleveland Browns bring in defensive tackle Shelby Harris on a one-year deal. And after a a lengthy holdout period by all-pro guard Zach Martin, he and the Dallas Cowboys were able to work out an agreement, and he is now back with the team with a rework deal where he is going to be making uh, $36 million fully guaranteed over the next two years. Now let's go ahead and talk those running backs. Let's start off with Ezekiel Elliott, longtime Dallas Cowboys, signed a one-year deal with the uh, New England Patriots earlier this week on a deal worth up to six mil. So how do you like this move for Zeke, the Patriots, and what do you think he brings to this team? I actually like the move all around. I think, um, again, he's not, with from the Zeke perspective, I think he he might have been able to get a little bit more money from another team, but I think it would have came with higher expectations that he. I don't think he would necessarily be able to live up to. Um, from the stance of the Patriots, it's like you're getting a guy who you're not looking to be the starter. He's going to probably get you, I'll probably say Zeke could get you like 600 yards and he can get you like maybe five touchdowns just because I feel like he'll be he'll be the ultimate goal line back because he still even though he's diminished like years he's still showing he can get in the end zone when he has the opportunity so that's kind of what I think like they'll get a guy that can give you some production overall from a yardage standpoint but you might get some really good production from a um, a touchdown standpoint if you get in the red zone and so kind of building on that, I mean, we've seen the Patriots have been trying to make that big impact move at on offense all offseason. I mean, there was conversations about them maybe bringing in Odell. They were in the hunt to get DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, those fall through. They end up with Ezekiel Elliott. Do you think that this moves the needle at all for the Patriots? Do you think they are better enough to where maybe they don't finish last in the AFC East? Or do you think they still have work to do before you think that, oh, okay, they can be a threat? Um, I think they still have work because simply, like, Zeke is good, but I don't think Zeke's a game changer anymore. Like, if you were talking about Zeke maybe four years ago, then it's like, oh, yeah, this could be this could be a piece that can move the needle. Now I just think it's like, it's a really nice piece, but it's not going to be game changing. Because I also think for the Patriots, the, the position that can move the needle, that they need to address to move the needle, is wide receiver. Because like, um, Ramondre Stevens, he's a decent running back. And now you add Zeke. So and they've always had like a good one-two punch at running back for these past couple of years. What they haven't had is like a game changing wide receiver that can make their quarterback's jobs easier. And so I know Zeke can catch out of the backfield, but even still, I don't think he's going to be a game changer. 
feel you on that. All right, let's go ahead and keep things in the division. Dalvin Cook, after a lot of speculation, it is officially official. He is now a New York Jet. Uh, after signing a one-year deal up to $8.6 million, um, $7 million of that is guaranteed with 1.6 mil in incentives. And the same question I asked before, uh, what do you feel like Dalvin Cook brings to this Jets offense? I think he's going to bring explosiveness. I mean, he's one of the more explosive running backs in the NFL. He's a guy that you can get a ball to, and you can look up and he's gone 80 yards. I think, I mean, they have something similar in Brees Hall, but I think it's the it's the consistent it's the consistent nature that you can get it from Dalvin, especially when he's healthy. And he's a guy that can catch passes out of the backfield. We all know that, like, as a vet, he's a decent pass blocker. And I think he's just, again, like, on a team like the Jays before they brought in Aaron Rodgers and, and Dalvin, like, a lot of them, they had some veterans, like C.J. Mosley, they had some veterans on the defensive side. But their offense was young. Like, Zach Wilson, starting quarterback, he was – he was, he's young at that point. Gary Wilson, he's going, only going into his second year. Brees Hall's only going into his second year. Like, you didn't really have, like, the vets on that side of the ball. And now I think with both of with Aaron Rodgers and now with Dalvin Cook, like, you have two key veterans that you can, like, uh, that you know are proven and you can expect a lot out of them and they can, like, set the culture of their team. And so last week you and I kind of talked about it, and we both said we felt like the Jets were overrated. Um, I think – I don't remember if you agree with me or not, but I still said that I think collectively I called them the third best team in the division. Do you think that changes with this Dalvin Cook signing? Do you think that this is enough to help them overtake a team like the Buffalo Bills or Miami Dolphins? I actually do. Um, because I think when I look at it from the standpoint of the on the offensive side of the ball and the – defensive side, in my opinion, the defensive side, maybe outside of the Bills, they had the best defense in the division. The offense was going to be really good, but I can quit. I can say I could put the Bills and the Dolphins above the Jets from an offensive standpoint. But now when you bring in a guy like Dalvin Cook and you pair him with the weapons that they have on offense, um, I think they have, like, now they have the best overall talent out of all the teams in their division. Um, it's just a matter of, like, the chemistry that they're going to build. It, that's going to be, I think, the Achilles heel is are they able to build chemistry early or late to make a push? Yeah, I feel you on that. I think on paper, if we're looking at star power, it's tough because you look at Buffalo, you got Josh Allen, who many people believe is at worst third best quarterback in the league. Stephon Diggs is still top 10. But after that, you have some question marks. Gabe Davis was supposed to take over last year. He didn't. James Cook is entered in his second year. Dawson Knox, you don't really know. Uh, Miami, Tua Tungvaloa, when he was healthy, looked like a top 10 quarterback. But the issue was keeping him healthy. Tyreek Hill, we already know, is a top wide receiver. Jalen Waddle is really, really good. Tight end is going to be a question now that Mike jasicki has gone. And then running back, they have Jeff Wilson. They have Raheem Mostert. They drafted uh, Devin A. Chain. It'll be interesting to see how all those pieces work together. But like you said, I think just top to bottom, I think star power-wise, you would give the Jets the nod. 
I think that it, it, it's a tough proposition because I feel like if Tua can stay healthy, I think that they have a chance to be a, have a better record than the uh, than the Jets because of that chemistry that you mentioned. But if Tua's having another year where he's kind of struggling with injuries, I think the Jets could definitely overtake them. Um, so yeah, I think that I think this for sure moves the needle um, because, like you said, you get some veteran experience, you get that explosiveness in the backfield, and while Brees Hall was amazing when he played. Now you get a guy who you know what you're going to get instead of a guy who had a great half of a rookie year, coming off of ACL. Yes, he's activated off the pup list, but now you know for sure what you're getting. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to another question about the running backs on the team. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's go ahead. You mentioned Ramondre Stevenson, who was coming off a great second year in the league, um, led the team with a 1,040 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns, averaged five yards a pop, and also had 421 receiving yards. With the addition of Zeke, how do you think the balance is going to be in that backfield? Do you think it's going to be more so 50-50, 60-40 Ramondre, or maybe Zeke getting the bulk of the carries? How do you think things are split up for Ramondre Stevens in that backfield? I think it's going to be like 60-40 because, again, like in my, Ramondre is the more explosive player at this point. So he's going to get – I think he'll get a bulk of the carries. I think Zeke will be a guy – he, he'll get, obviously, I think he'll get, like, tough yardage situations, maybe a lot of, a decent amount of goal line opportunities. I don't think he'll get, like, a lot of drives where he'll be the primary ball, ball carrier. I think it'll be split kind of um, more so in favor of Ramondre, just because, again, he's a younger, more explosive player, so you're going to want him on the field as much as possible. Yeah, I would agree. I think that you kind of touched on, like, Zeke and his prowess at the goal line. I think that's where he's he's going to make most of his money as opposed to him, like, trying to sustain drives. I think that at this point of their careers, I trust Ramondre more so at the backfield and just being more of that first and second down guy with uh, Zeke coming in on third down or those short yardage situations. So I don't think it's as much of an issue. Uh, now moving on for Brees Hall. We talk about this a lot off air. Um, but I'll, I'll just go first. I think that this is a rough blow for Brees, or at least for this year. Let me say that. Because last year, had looked terrific as a rookie, was leading the charge for Offensive Rookie of the Year, torn ACL, end your season effectively, and now you already got to deal with working your way back. And then now, fast forward, and it's like, not only do you have to work your way back, you got to try to get back it would through rehab to being the player that you were, but now you're going to lose touches because of a guy like Dalvin Cook coming in. And from a business standpoint, it makes total sense to bring him in. I get it. But as we've all seen, like there is no loyalty to running backs in the league anymore. And so I think that this year we are going to see a very, very different year from Brees Hall, assuming that Dalvin Cook stays healthy, just because I don't see this being a, like we talked about 60-40 with Ramondre, and Zeke, I could see this being maybe 
um, maybe at best 75, 25, just because, I mean, Dalvin Cook's on a one-year deal. Yes, he's getting a little bit older, but, I mean, it's clear that the Jets are going all in. They're trying to make a Super Bowl push. And so because of that, you want the best players on the field that you can have. And at this point, Dalvin Cook is the better player. So I don't think we're going to see much Brees Hall this season, or at least not to the same explosive capacity that we did last year. But hopefully he can bounce back next year. But I think this year is going to be a bit of a wash for him. Um, I kind of changed my tone. I do. I, I started to believe, agree with you um, now as I thought about it more. What I do think, though, is that the Jets have a really crowded running back on Yeah. And so, like, who are they going to drop or trade or get rid of one of these backs? And, like, from the standpoint of this, if you're trying to Let's say you're trying to get the best value uh, from, like, a draft pick perspective. Even though he is coming off the ACL injury, right now, the, the best-looking toy, in my opinion, would be Brees Hall because, again, when he was healthy last year, he was off, He was looking like the offensive rookie of the year. Yeah. And so, like, is it going to be a thing where, like, because of the nature of them having, I think they have like four to five like good to decent running backs on their depth chart right now. Like somebody's gonna, somebody might have to go. You would it be Brees? Personally, I wouldn't trade Brees because, like I said, I think that even though I think this year is gonna be a bit of a wash, next year he could come back and go back to being running back one. I could see a guy like Michael Carter suffering and not seeing much of the field at all because of Dalvin Cook's arrival. Um, but, I mean, right now there are running backs on the roster, in addition to Cook, are Israel Abinaconda. I apologize if I said that wrong. Ricky out of uh, Pittsburgh, Michael Carter, Demaria Crockett, Travis Dye, Brees Hall, Dezonovan Knight. I don't know how many running backs the Jets typically keep on their roster anyway, but realistically I think the only for sure locks are Cook, Hall and Carter. I think everybody else could probably, unless they decide to keep four, that might be Zonovan Knight. Um, Abinacada has had a couple of touchdowns this preseason, so we shall see. But yeah, it's gonna be a very crowded room for those, for those on the cusp guys, the guys who are kind of unproven. Um, so that'll definitely be an interesting development to follow uh, as the regular season goes on. But all right, let's go and move on to some injury news. Because, unfortunately, this week hasn't been as bad as previous weeks, but both of our favorite teams have been affected in pivotal positions, and I'm about to get to why. Uh, starting with the Arizona Cardinals, they are going to lose running back Marlon Mack for the season after he tore his Achilles five days after signing with the team. That freaking sucks. Um, Browns lose linebacker Jacob Phillips with a torn pec, which is another unfortunate thing because injuries have decimated his early career, which sucks because I hate seeing an LSU man off the field. Um, Bucks will more than likely lose wide receiver Russell Gage for the rest of the season. Reportedly at today's practice, he suffered a knee injury, had to be carted off the field. Not sounding good. And in more news that does not sound good, Titans second-year wide receiver Traylon Burks has been carted off the field during a joint practice today against the Minnesota Vikings. We don't exactly know what it is yet, but let's say it is something serious. How big of a blow is this for your Titans? I think it's a significant blow because I think when, I remember when me and you were talking about the D-Hop acquisition 
when you look at the Titans roster, especially from a a wide receiver standpoint, once you get past like I would say maybe at best the first four, that room is is not deep. Like you, I'm sorry, that interrupt. You think it's deep past the first two? I'll give, I'll give, I'm putting, I'm putting stock in thinking that Kyle Phillips will actually be good because before he got hurt last year, he was looking like a really good wide receiver. In the preseason, but once the regular season came, he was a kind of non-factor. I mean, he had a, he had like, I'll give you this. He, I think he had like two good games from a slot receiver standpoint. Before he got hurt, because I know one of them was against the Giants. He had looking back at last year, he had, yeah, he had sixty-six yards against the Giants, and then collectively twelve yards three games after that. So, not again, out. I don't know about the after D Hop and Burks. I don't see deep anywhere. I think Westbrook is fine, but that's what I'm saying. That's what I mean by like. So in my opinion, this is how I this is how I view the wide receiver room. D Hop and Burks, they the dogs. Phillips, he he's fine, but he has to show that he can stay healthy. Because I think the reason his production had dropped was because he was hurt. And played through injury those other games to the, and then he just had another injury to where he had to sit out the rest of the season. And then Westbrook and Tina, he's just like he's a serviceable rotation wide receiver. I'm I ain't gonna lie, I'm still kind of caught up on you think that room is deep past the first four. I'm <laughs> I'm sorry. I said it's not deep. I, I mean I'm sorry, but the okay you're right. Past the two, I think. Cause oh, cause we know what D Hop is. We still don't even know what Traylon Burks is, and so I don't. When I look at the Titans receiving room, there is nothing about that that says deep to me. It's just nothing but question marks, and so. But I agree with you. I think if this Burks injury is significant, it is a massive blow because we talked about this just in terms of like, yes, D Hop comes there. We all know how great he is, but how much better is this offense because of him? You take away who was supposed to be his running mate, and now you get guys like um, Kyle Phillips. You don't know what you have in guys like Racy McMath or Kyle or um, Nick Westbrook or Kine. Like, it's – we've seen D-Hop be the guy, but right now, if Burks is out, I have no clue who is the number two right now. Like, I can't even front like I have any clue. I, I'm not going to say I know. It's, like, it's not Kyle Phillips. A slot receiver. Uh, it, I can't say Westbrook Kine because he's had opportunities to be to be that guy in the past, and he hasn't lived up to it. In my opinion, if it's a, a significant injury, they they're probably going to have to look try to find a, a way to look for somebody in free agency. And I don't know, like off the top of my head, where free agents are available at wide receiver. I got you. I can pull it up because I have some free agents up for the next thing we're going to talk about. Um, it's Kenny Galladay, Julio, Jarvis Landry, Sammy Watkins, Andre Roberts, uh, Hollywood Higgins, Anthony Miller, 
out of the names that you mentioned, there's only one that I would be interested in potentially signing. Who? Kenny Galladay. Low key, Kenny Galladay, I think on a flyer, I think he could be solid. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think if you were to sign him, let's say you sign him to a one year, two year at most, like, team friendly deal. I think if you put him next to D Hop, I think Kenny Kenny Galladay could be a, a decent replacement for Traylon Burks if he's out. Yeah, I mean they have two totally different skill sets, but I think that bringing in Kenny, he has something to prove. It was a total bust with him in New York, and I mean you give him an opportunity. I think he can make some plays. Gives you a big body on the outside. I think you might still possibly want to sign somebody just to kind of make up for the speed that you lost. But yeah, I would. I wouldn't be mad about bringing in Jarvis Landry, um, but again, because I don't necessarily trust Kyle Phillips, and so we know you know exactly what you're getting in Jarvis Landry. So I wouldn't be mad about that. Uh, but yeah, hope it's nothing too serious for Traylon Burks because that is a major blow. Um, speaking of major blows, my Baltimore Ravens have been affected in our secondary after a, an offseason where it's been mostly highs offensively. Defensively, it just don't feel like we've done anything but lose people. And now we're going to lose star cornerback Marlon Humphreys for at least four weeks after he sustains a foot injury. Reportedly, he's having surgery today. Um, like I said, at least four weeks. So that would put him on track to come back for week two. We play week one against Houston, which I'm not totally like, ah, we need Marlo, but I want him. But I mean, still. We need, to, we need to bring in another cornerback because looking at the Ravens' cornerback room right now, it leaves something to be desired. Yes, we brought in Rocky Scene, but remember we lost Marcus Peters. Um, and so let's look at some free agent cornerbacks and see what, if any, uh, players the Ravens should look in. Here's a couple of guys out there. And you just let me know if there's anyone who sticks out to you. Byron Jones, who last played with Miami. William Jackson, who has kind of bounced around the AFC North. Uh, Bradley Roby, Ronald Darby, Casey Hayward, Troy Hill, Kyle Fuller, uh, Bryce Callahan, Cam Dantzler, Jason Verrett, Josh Jackson. Yeah. Uh, not gonna lie, none of them sound net appealing. Um, I would say maybe Jason Verrett. He's one guy. I feel like the only knock on him, he's he's like a boom or bust type of dude where like he's either gonna make a great play or he's gonna do something stupid. Or he's gonna tear his ACL. And I'm not saying that to be funny. He's been very injury prone. Yeah, that too. Um who was one more? Um King Casey not Casey King, uh, Casey Hayward? Yeah, Casey Hayward, I'm sorry. I'd do it. I would bring in Casey Hayward. Um because his last couple of years in Atlanta weren't terrible. And best case scenario, my brother, we really only need you to start like two, three games. That Texans game, I think, will be cool. But the game after that, we got Cincinnati. So, I want Marlo on the field, obviously. But of the guys I mentioned, I think I would trust Casey the most just because he's experienced. I think Rock could be okay. I hope it's nothing, and I hope everybody's wrong, and Marlo can come back week one, and we don't got to have this conversation. But 
not fun times. Also, the trade market is available, and in a couple of weeks, um, roster cuts are going to be made. So who knows? Maybe there's going to be some quality cornerbacks who are cap casualties, fingers crossed. But all of this makes me wish that we would have just re-signed Marcus Peters. Okay, before we jump to the next subject, speaking of the Texans, I got a bone to pick with EA Sports. Okay. Why are the Texans rated higher as a team overall than the Titans on man? Where? What's their team overall? The Texans are like a 76. Hold on, I got to see if I can find the thing that I saw. I haven't even seen most team overalls. Like, I've watched a little bit of gameplay of the new Madden, but, like, I haven't, like... I'm just waiting to play franchise mode in two days. Here we go. The Texans are 78 and the Titans are 74. Uh, Well, first, I don't think the Titans should be a 74. I think they should be, like, maybe a 78 or 77. I don't think the Texans should be a 78. Okay. <clears throat> Starting with the highest rating, the Kansas City Chiefs are 92. Fair. The, e- the Eagles are 91. Uh-huh. The Bills are 90. Mm-hmm. The Bengals are 89. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys are 88. The Your Ravens are 87. Okay. The Browns are 87. Mm-hmm. The, Dol- the Dolphins are 86. The 49ers are 86. That's sick. <laughs> It is wild. <laughs> the Vikings are at 85. Okay. The Chargers are at 85. The Jets, at the time, this was... Before this Dalvin was, Cook. This was, pre, this was pre-Dalvin Cook, are at 84. Mm-hmm. The, the Jaguars are at 84. The Lions are at 83. The Seahawks are at 83. The Giants are at 82. The Saints are at 82. The Patriots are at 82. Mm-hmm. The Falcons are at 81. The Bucks are 81. The Steelers are 81. The Broncos are 80. The Commanders are 80. The Panthers are 80. The Packers are 79. The Raiders are 79. The Texans are 78. The Colts are 77. The Bears are 76. The Titans are 74. The Rams are 73. And the Cardinals are 72. So, off off the rip, 49ers should be higher. They should at least be a 90 because I think their roster can go blow for blow with the Philly, with the Eagles. So, fix that. Um, Colts shouldn't be higher than the Titans or the uh, maybe tied with Texans, but not higher than the Titans. Uh, Packers should be, a, should be higher just based off defense alone. Um, Saints should be higher than an 82. And I'm trying to think if there was anything else that really stood out to me. The Commanders as an 80 is shocking to me. I don't think so because, like, their defense, especially that front seven, is pretty good. And they have solid role players almost everywhere else. So I can, I can, I can see an 80. Another thing, I feel like the Steelers should be higher than that 81. I think so, too. Just collectively, 
Okay, because I, I guess I kind of get it because in terms of like superstar players, they don't have that many. And so I could see that kind of bringing down their overalls. But it's like, well, what do you give the overalls to guys like Deontay Johnson or George Pickens or Patrick Peterson and cats like that? Like, are they 70s, low 80s? Like, I think they should be higher. Yeah, team ratings are interesting. Low, I will, I will say this, though. We're going to talk about the Browns in a minute. I can understand how they are in 86 because on paper, their roster should be very good. On paper, we're going to get to the Browns literally in a couple of minutes, which is why I strictly say on paper. But why are we getting to the Browns? Because this week we are breaking down the AFC and NFC North like we do every year. We go around the NFL, break down each division, and now we're headed up north. So we're going to start off with the AFC North, a division I know all too well, which has the Cincinnati Bengals, Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Cleveland Brown. So let's start this bad boy off. Who do you think is the most underrated team in the division? Most underrated? The Steelers. I'm going to say Baltimore and not just because they are my favorite team. I think that when you – this offseason could have been very, very different had Lamar Jackson not stayed. I think that's just a fact. But since the Lamar – Jackson's situation got taken care of. You bring in Odell Beckham Jr. You bring in, you draft Zay Flowers. You have a solid draft overall. I think that now everyone's like, oh, okay. And then that's it. Nobody really is taking into account how much has changed offensively. We've seen the running gun offense that the Ravens have had for the past several years under Greg Roman, but now it's different. Todd Monk is coming in. Things are expected to look more balanced. They're leaning more heavily into the passing game. And I think that because everyone just expects the Ravens to be such a run-heavy team, we kind of get lost in the shuffle. And that's fine, but I don't think we get our due. And that's just talking offensively. Defensively, even with the Marlon Humphrey injury, I think that I our defense can still go blow for blow with everybody. And they're coming off of a year where they rank top 10 in the league. So I think we fall on the radar. Steelers. I think that they are starting to get some more credit as of late. But we shall see. All right, most overrated team. We're probably going to agree. But this was kind of tough for me. Uh, I'm going to not say the main things but the Browns. Yes, I agree about the Browns. Like I said on paper, they should be good. You have Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper, Miles Garrett, Zadarius Smith, Denzel Ward, um, you just brought in Juan Thornhill. My main man, Grant Delpit, is coming off a terrific year. And then you have, you know, your quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who I will leave the personal stuff out of it for right now. On paper, that should be enough to get you to the playoffs. However, we have seen time and time again with the Browns, they can have a good collective roster, but they just cannot put it all together. For one reason or another, they just cannot get to the promised land. They cannot make it past the second round of the playoffs. They cannot go up against the big boys in the conference when the playoffs start. It's not me being critical. It is literally just a fact. And so I think that while they obviously have pieces, as it does with almost every other team in the NFL, what is your quarterback going to do? Now, how Deshaun Watson performed last year, don't get me wrong. Personally, y'all know how I feel about the guy, but he hasn't played in two years. What did y'all expect him to do? 
Y'all thought he was just going to come out and be Deshaun Watson of old who led the league in passing yards or was looking like potentially an MVP candidate? Like, absolutely not. He hasn't played in two years. He's getting used to new weapons, a new offense, new city. You're asking for a lot. Not to mention the emotional and mental turmoil that he brought upon himself that he had to deal with coming and then coming off like a 12-game suspension. No. Realistically, he was not going to be that guy. Now, this year... If he is still going through those same issues, then you, if you are the Browns, have a problem. You just gave this man over $230 million fully guaranteed. You reshaped the quarterback market. If he can't be that guy of old, then the Browns are going to be bad again. It's just a fact. At best, they'll be mediocre. And so that's why I think they're the most overrated team because I think that things like that get lost in the shuffle, questions about their linebacker position, um, D-line death is called in question. I think they're the most overrated team. But, all right, who is your favorite player in the conference? I think I already know who you're going to say. You know, it's the num- it's, I got, like, five. Okay. <laughs> but the number one, I'll list all five in order. Okay. Number, number one, Cam Hayward. Yeah. Number two, T.J. Watt. Yeah, I love him, too. Number three, Lamar. Number four, Miles Gary. And uh number five, your boy Joe Shiesty. I mean, y'all y'all already know Joe Burrow takes the number one spot for me. Um Okay. It's funny because like I love Baltimore. They are my favorite team, but in terms of favorite players, they don't have most of my favorite players, like in the league collectively. Number two, obviously though, is Odell. Like I'm so happy Odell is actually in a Ravens jersey. Give me a little extra money, I might have to cop me a jersey. Um, so what? Joe, obviously number one. Odell is two. Three. Am I going to say Jamar? Because I love me some Jamar Chase. Actually, I lied. I absolutely, totally lied. My order is wrong. One is Joe. Two is Patrick Peterson. Three is Odell. Four is Jamar. Five is Grand Delta. And uh, yes, as you can guess, all five of them went to LSU. Um, all right, who do you think is facing a prove-it year? I mean, you already touched on him, Deshaun Watson. Like, again, like you stated, last year, you get a free pass if you hadn't played in two years. You went through all the legal drama, and you came back. And, like, if you were expecting him to be the Deshaun Watson of old, who I also still I had reservations around because yes, I, I did think back in, back at that point, Deshaun Watson was a really good quarterback. But it's also for me, it's like, bro, you had the most passing yards on the team that had to come back every game you played in, so you're bound to get a lot of passing yards. But neither here nor there, I think if he comes this season and doesn't show any signs of the guidance in Houston, then like he might. The Browns might have to eat their money and go a different direction, which will be incredibly tough to do. Because, like you said, they were the ones that, re- that restructured the quarterback market once they gave him all of their money. So, I got to say Deshaun. I could talk about Deshaun Watson a lot, but I'm going to give him a break. I'm going to say Lamar Jackson. We kind of talked about this not only when he got his money, but after the draft where there are no more excuses for Lamar. I don't want to hear he doesn't have any weapons. Baltimore got him some. I don't want to hear that Greg Roman is holding him back. Greg Roman's gone. 
The offensive line is much better than it was a couple years ago. The run game is still looking stout, even if J.K. Dobbins wants to act like he's going to hold out, which will be stupid. The defense is up to par. John Harbaugh is still a top coach in this league. So if you're Lamar Jackson, there are no excuses for you not to succeed. And when I say succeed, not only lead your team to the playoffs, but make it at least to the second round. At the very least. Everybody knows how talented Lamar is. He's great. There are very few quarterbacks, if any quarterbacks, who can do what he does on a consistent nature. He is, I'm not going to say a magician because that's what Russ used to be, but he is an enigma in the backfield. He can do just about anything. But between coming up with some lackluster performances in the playoffs and injuries that have derailed two of the last seasons that he has had, it has caused a lot of questions to where, I mean, I talked about it on the show. I talked about it with you. If Baltimore was going to lose Lamar, I would understand and I would be okay with it just because the Lamar of the MVP year we have not seen. And so I'm not saying he has to be MVP Lamar, 36 touchdowns, six picks, um, rushing for over a thousand yards. I just want to see a much better, a more concise, a more complete Lamar Jackson. You got your money, you got your weapons. Now, what are you going to do with them? So I think he is facing a very, very important year of his career. But all right, what player do you think is going to break out this year? Um, I think it's an obvious answer to this question. I think it's going to be a tandem of George Pickens and Kenny Pickett. I'm going to stay in Pittsburgh, but I'm going to say Calvin Austin, um, not just because he is a Memphis man, even though that helps. But, I mean, last year injuries derailed him. He wasn't able to play a game all year. But for those of you who watched him in Memphis, y'all know he is fast. And not just as a returner, which he is great at, but also, like, as a wide receiver. We got a little bit of a taste of that during the game against the Bucks, where he busts off that 60-plus yard touchdown just on a go route, just blew past his man. I think that when you look at the receivers that the Steelers have right now, they don't have a speedster outside of Calvin Austin. George Pickens, like you mentioned, he's a big body. He can body up anybody, win those 50-50 balls. Uh, Deontay Johnson is a solid route runner. Uh, Allen Robinson can do a little bit of everything, but he is getting a little bit older. My question, if he lost a step, bring in Calvin Austin. He can bring in a lot of juice to this offense. So I think that this could be a really, really big year for him from both as a returner and as a wide receiver. Uh, rookie, who do you think is going to be the top rookie of the division this year? Top rookie. Uh, you want me to go? Yeah. Taking bias totally out of it, I'm going to say Zay Flowers. Um, for those of you who do not know, this might sound like a shock, but the Ravens wide receiver room has been pretty disappointing since like 2019, if not, if not before. And I think that, like I said, we spent a lot of draft picks and a lot of money trying to remake that room. And the wide receiver long-term who I'm most excited about is a guy like Zay Flowers because of that explosiveness. I mean, we saw how he was at Boston College. He was the only guy on that offense you really had to worry about. And yet, not only did he make plays, but was doing up against bigger cornerbacks, against guys who went in the first round, who were fellow high draft picks, and did it on a consistent basis. Now in Baltimore, he won't have to be the only guy. And whether they line him up in the slot, which more than likely they will, or if he has to line up on the outside, I think he's going to be able to make some really big plays and be kind of that playmaker Baltimore hasn't had in a long time and I think that's going to really help not only Lamar Jackson but all the other wide receivers around him create opportunities and get open so I think he's going to have a really good year assuming he stays healthy I was going to say Zay but 
but I knew you were going to say Zay. And I was trying to think of another rookie. And I'm also trying to not say everything Pittsburgh. Um, I, think, I mean, I Pittsburgh had a great have, draft. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to say Joey Porter Jr. Uh-huh. Like, he, even though he kind of has been harassed by George Pickens in, in practice, I still think that as the season progresses, he's going to round out the form. He's going to probably be the third best cornerback in that rookie class because obviously Christian um, Gonzalez and uh, Devin Willisman, I think they might end up being a little bit better than him. But again, I still think he's going to be a really good player. He's going to be somebody that like is going to be a staple in their defense for years. Speaking of rookie corners, uh, DJ Turner with the Bengals is another guy I'm looking forward to watching. I mean, I think he ran the fastest 40 time this past year. And during the preseason, I know it's the preseason, but he looked kind of good. So I'm interested to see how he fits into the depth chart and how much playing time he's going to get. Because again, there's a lot of really good wide receivers in this division. I want to see how he stacks up against them, especially because this secondary without Jesse Bates is going to be very interesting to watch. Like, Chidobia Awuzie is still pretty good. Mike Hilton is good in the slot, but I want to see who's going to take over that other outside cornerback spot for Cincinnati. And then just communication at safety is going to be big. How big is Daxton Hill going to be? It's going to be very interesting uh, with that Bengals defense. We already know what they can do on offense, so let's see what they can do defensively. All right, um, a couple more things before we move on to the NFC North. Uh, what is your bold prediction for this division? My bold prediction for this division is the NFL MVP is going to come out of this division in either Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson. Mine is related to the Steelers, and I don't think it's like the boldest thing I've ever said, but it's you can make an argument it won't happen. Um, I think George Pickens ends the season top seven in receiving yards. Um, I think I know Deontay Johnson has been there and like they can still try to act like Deontay Johnson is the number one receiver. No, he's not. This is George Pickens wide receiver room. And I think that if he can stay healthy, I mean, just that ability to mix speed, skill and size. And he already has some chemistry with um, what's his name? Kenny Pickett. I think that he can have an amazing year as the Steelers are working to like show get back to that playoff position that they've grown so accustomed to. Um, all right, but with all that being said, I think Bengals still win the division. Yeah, me too. All right, moving on to the NFC North. Who do you think is the most underrated team? By the way, the NFC North is comprised of the Chicago Bears, Detroit Lions, Green Bay Packers, and Minnesota Vikings. Um, the most underrated team, I'm going to have to say the Vikings. I almost said Vikings, but I'm going to give the Packers the slight edge. I know Jordan Love is not Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love is not Brett Favre. But I don't think that he has to be. Why? Because the running back room is still solid. You got A.J. Dillon there and, of course, Aaron Jones. Um, Christian Watson had a really good rookie season. Uh, Romeo Dobbs was making plays before he got hurt. You have some rookies in that tight end. But more importantly, their defense is still pretty good. Preston Smith is back. Jair Franklin is back. Um, They're still got Rashawn Gary, who should be coming back soon. Um, Devondre Campbell is there. I think that 
of course, when you think of the Packers, you instantly go to top quarterback. And so if the quarterback room doesn't look right, you kind of question what else they have. But I think collectively, the Packers overall roster is a lot better than people are giving them credit for. And I think just because Jordan Love is under center that they are getting very much so disrespected. And I'm not even a Packers fan, but if I was, I'd feel really – I would have such a chip on my shoulder to make the league show, hey, we're not just our quarterback. We – weren't just living and dying by Aaron Don- Aaron Rodgers. All right, who do you think is the most overrated team? Most overrated. That's tough. I'm I'm kind of semi-leaning to Chicago. I would say Chicago. Um, I think it was low-key between Chicago and Detroit for different reasons, but I'm going to ride with Chicago I think that the addition of DJ Moore was great. Then you get Darnell Wright, get you a big body on the offensive line. That's amazing. Defensively, though, who is going to get pressure? I love me some Yannick Ngakwe, but he it can't just be him. I don't necessarily see anyone else on that defensive line who I'm like, yeah, he going to start wreaking some havoc. I like them getting Tremaine Edmonds. I think that getting TJ Edwards was a nice move as well. However, they're not exactly pass rushers. They're really good inside linebackers. I think their secondary has potential to be pretty solid, but I'm just not totally sold on the team collectively to do too much damage. And then looking at Justin Fields, I mean, he is a highlight waiting to happen. Nobody can dispute that. But I haven't seen anything within him in the passing game that I'm like, yeah, he really can be that dual threat guy. Like, he's put on, had fine passing games, but never a game where I'm like, yo, he really read that defense well. He really carved up this defense. That could absolutely change, but at this point, I haven't seen it. Until I see it, I got a hard time thinking the Bears are a threat right now. Um, but who's your favorite player in the division? Favorite player in the division? Um... I think this is the one division where my favorite player isn't a D tackle. Um, I'm probably going to have to say AJ Dillon. Okay. Big body running back. I can believe it. Y'all know my heart lies with LSU Tigers. And my favorite player, honestly, probably my favorite player in the league right now, Jay Jettas, obviously. Because he's the man, the myth, the legend. And he's he's going to have another great year. Um, also, I love me some Daniel Hunter because he's a killer. And I'm happy that he's going to stay with the Vikings because Lord knows that they need him. All right. What player do you think has the most most approved this year? We probably are going to say the same person. There's no, in my opinion, there's no other option but Justin Fields. Oh, I disagree. I said Jordan Love. I, th- I think the only reason I give, I I think, in my opinion, next season would be Jordan Love. The only reason why I say this season is Justin Fields is because, very similar to what you said about Lamar, it's like the Bears did their work to make to give Justin Fields weapons to show, to see if he's that guy, and like if he doesn't show prove that he can be, I think. Uh, I think Justin Fields will be like they'll be looking at a different quarterback. I think Jordan Love because like you stated like they have a good running back room they have a good defense like he doesn't necessarily have to be like you said Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre 
just, I mean, Jordan Love could low-key be like Alex Smith reincarnated and mess around and win like nine or ten games and be straight. I think in order for the Bears to be successful, they're going to rely a lot on Justin Fields and his development. And if he doesn't develop, then he might be gone. I think I would still say Jordan Love because there's still no guarantee. Like, he could be an Alex Smith and be fine. But if he totally crafts the bed, not only are the Packers going to look like idiots, but they're going to be looking to move on. He's not making that much money compared to other quarterbacks. And especially because, like I said, he, like you mentioned, like he has pieces around him. But if he can just do nothing and do absolutely nothing week in and week out, what's the point of them keeping him? Why would I keep you around and you're not making us better? You're not benefiting us in any way. And so I think that it's a lot of pressure on him because, again, you're replacing a future Hall of Famer. That's a hard task within itself. But now people already think you guys aren't going to do anything. They're already doubting you before you even step on the field. And so I think that Justin Fields is in a prove a year as well. But I think Jordan Love is also facing a whole lot of pressure just in a different area. Um, All right, so what player do you think is going to break out this year? What player do I think is going to break out this year? It's actually funny because I think it's going to be Jordan Love. Um, I almost put Jordan Love. I just, I just think like from what we've seen in pre, granted, it's preseason. He just looks significantly more comfortable and significantly more like poised and at ease. He's making good throws, and like in my opinion. When you get when Aaron Rodgers is out of that room and you know that that team has full confidence in you, you're going to get confidence. And like we all know, when it comes down to to playing being a professional athlete and being a good successful professional athlete, it boils down to confidence. And I think in the in the few signs that we saw him prior, I don't think he was fully confident because he was like, oh, I'm. It's not like I'm their I'm their guy right now. I'm just the guy that is in his spot starts because the guy is hurt. So now I think he's he's confident. He's he's um he's shown development in his pocket presence and all of those things. And I think this is gonna kinda lead him to like I don't think he's gonna I'm not saying I think he's gonna go out there and throw like thirty touchdowns. But like I can see him throwing like Again, throwing like 20 to 25 and being like a good, efficient game manager slash maybe every now and then make a good splash play type of quarterback. Um, I'm going to go A.J. Dillon, his teammate. Last year, everyone was kind of expecting that to be A.J. Dillon's breakout year. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But this year, I think that the run game is going to be called upon a lot more. And A.J. Aaron Jones is a very, very good running back. But I think that having A.J. Dillon there as well, he provides a whole different element. He's that grinded out pounding running back big body the quad father like I think that this could really really be a good year where not only is he going to be a nice comment to Jones really kind of showcase that he could be that guy too because I mean I think that they're going to run the ball a lot more than they had in the past like you said kind of helping to make um Jordan Love a lot more comfortable back there so it's not just him having to throw the ball 40 times a game that run game can do some damage too so I think that this is going to be a year that AJ Dillon really steps up and balls out all right what I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, before we get to the next segment of this, 
here's why I don't want that to happen. It's because you talked about it to me off air of do I think the Titans are going to resign Derrick Henry. In my opinion, in my heart, I believe it's a yes. But if that's not the case, I already made up in my mind that I wanted AJ Dillon to be the guy that they go after okay. if they don't resign Derrick Henry. That makes sense. I mean, so you don't have to change the defense. I mean, your offense too much. Like, I get it. I, I understand. I, hopefully, you don't even come to that. You won't even have to worry about it. Um, but, all right, let's go ahead and move on to what rookie we think is going to take over. How does this for me, Jack Campbell? We're in agreement. I also have Jack Campbell. I mean, y'all already know I'm a sucker for a good linebacker. But, like, I would – Football is predicated on its defense, and the best player on that defense was Jack Campbell. I know Lucas Van Ness was taken with, what, the 13th overall pick by the Packers. I get that, but Jack Campbell was the quarterback of that defense. He's a great tackler. He's good in coverage. He's a great run defender. Just about everything you need Cap to do, he can do. And so I think that the Lions got – obviously I'm not going to say a steal or anything, but I think looking back it was the right pick to bring him in because they needed that enforcer in the middle of that defense. So I think that that it was a good move. But, I mean, to get low-hanging fruit, I think Jordan Addison is going to have a really good year too for the Vikings. But that's an easy one. All right, bold prediction for the division. Bold prediction. Uh, My bold prediction is that I mean, it's not that bold, but the Packers are going to win the division. That is bold. It's bolder than mine. I said I think the Packers are going to finish second in the division. I'm not I'm not there yet. I still think the Vikings win that division. Like, they – I could have made a strong argument for them being the most underrated team in that division, but I don't think that the Packers are going to win it. Um, but, yeah, I think they finish second. No disrespect – I already spoke on the Bears, but no disrespect to the Lions, but I just think that it's a lot of hype and no substance yet and because I think that they haven't made any significant changes offensively for me to be like, yeah, they really about to turn a corner. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because their offense was fine, but, I mean, you're losing Jamal Williams for David Montgomery and um, – Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry, Jameer Gibbs. I can't believe I forgot your name. I think they're going to be fine, but I just – I don't know. I don't see them being like, oh, yeah, they really about to make some magic happen. I think – like I said, I like the Lions. I think they're going to be cool, but I think that the Packers have a chance to be better than them when it's all said and done. But, all right, uh, you – so you got Packers winning the division? Yeah. Okay. I'm going Vikings. All right, let's go ahead and talk preseason games. Week two, um, games are going to start kicking off tomorrow night uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Cleveland Browns. Um, Looking at the slate of games coming up this weekend, what are some games or storylines that you are following? Um, Following the Ravens commanders just because all the fights have been in practice, (laughs) honestly. I feel that. Um, the Colts and the Bears just because they named Anthony Richardson the starter so just to see what he will look like if he actually plays which I'm assuming he will but what he looks like um, uh, obviously the Titans and the Vikings to see what Malik Willis and Will Levis look like 
For me, um, I'm going to start off with Dolphins and Texans. Obviously, C.J. Stroud's first two draft—I mean, first two uh, drives in the NFL were not pretty. I'm excited to see how he bounces back from that. Um, the Dolphins last week against the Falcons weren't exactly the prettiest team either, just in terms of overall execution. I want to see how they build upon that and how they uh, bounce back from that. Um, I'm watching Baltimore versus Washington for obvious reasons, but also because with Marlon Humphrey out, I want to see what these cornerbacks look like. I want to see if there's anybody who steps up enough to be like, well, you know what? Maybe we don't need to go on the outside and try to sign a corner because right now I'm all for sign slash trade for a corner. Um, And then another matchup I'm excited to see is Broncos versus 49ers. We saw that the offensive starters got Oh, the first quarter and then a drive in the second quarter. Actually, no, screw that. I'm not even going to go down that road. I want to see how the offensive line looks because for two-thirds of my brother-in-law's dropbacks, he was facing heavy pressure. My man's was running for his life again after the Broncos spent all this money and draft picks on the offensive line. I get Mike McGlinchey didn't play. Hopefully, once he gets back, things will look differently, but still. I need to see the Broncos' offensive line step up because when Russ had time to throw, plays were happening besides when Jerry Judy dropped the ball. But when he didn't, he was getting sacked. He was getting hit, which has been the issue for the past several years. I need to see the Broncos' offensive line look good. But, yeah, that's what I want to see. All right, let's go ahead and uh, move on to our quick game of believable or buffoonery and then move on to the NBA. Uh, Starting with the San Francisco 49ers, who, as you've probably heard a billion different times in a billion different ways, the 49ers would have quote-unquote beat the Philadelphia Eagles if they would have had another quarterback on the roster after Brock Purdy got hurt. And apparently, had they won that game, Kyle Shanahan knew exactly who he was going to call. In a recent interview, he admitted that had they won that uh, NFC Championship game, Phillip Rivers would have been the 49ers quarterback in the Super Bowl. Uh, Reportedly, uh, they had been in contact with him all throughout the season, and Shanahan added he was prepared to sign. Now that stuff we talked about throughout the whole year, we would have had to see how far that was going to go in the Super Bowl, but that was the plan for most of the year. So, believable or buffoonery, let's hop in our time machines. Let's say the Eagles would have pulled it out against Philly, been in the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. Believable or buffoonery, the 49ers would have won the Super Bowl with Phillip Rivers under center. No. Uh, I think that because in my opinion, the two best rosters faced in the NFC Championship game in the 49ers and the Eagles. And, but I think it was just one of the moments where it's like, they had, I hate it because I don't like them, but they had the best player in Patrick Mahomes. And I think that like, if you bring in a guy that at that point had played a down in the season, and you expect him to beat the guy that was the MVP and has been the face of the league for at least, at minimum, these past two or three years, I highly doubt that would happen. say buffoonery because I mean that's ask, like you said that's asking a lot of somebody who hasn't played and I know that Phillip Rivers has played 
for what seems like forever. But, well, he got drafted in, what, two, 2004, I believe? But, I mean, it's not like he's been on the team. So you're expecting him to learn the playbook, learn his teammates in the span of two weeks. That's unrealistic. I'm calling buffoonery on that as well. All right, let's go ahead and move on um, to continue to talk about the San Francisco 49ers, who admittedly have had it kind of rough this past week uh, during their preseason game against the Las Vegas Raiders, more specifically when um, Trey Lance was under center. It was a rough outing for the guy and even led Dan Orlovsky to say that Trey Lance cannot play in uh, Kyle Shanahan's system. For those of you who do not know how Trey Lance performed, I'll admit, I watched it. It was not pretty. During the game, he had, pulling up the stats now, yeah, he completed, what? Nope, that's wrong. Un momento, por favor. Yeah, okay, here it is. He went uh, 10 for 15 for 121 yards with a touchdown through no picks, but had, did have a couple near interceptions and took four sacks. Not exactly the stat line that you want to see from a former third overall pick, especially in a preseason game when the Raiders did not play most of their starters. So, believable or buffoonery. Trey Lance is not a fit for the 49ers offense. Um, yeah, I'm starting to think that's the case because if you look at it, Brock Purdy came in and he looked like the guy. And I mean, you can even look at it from the standpoint of the guy that Trey Lance is competing with, Sam Darnold, a dude that everybody was like, oh, he's washed, he's trash. Like, yes, he's shown moments that have talent, but he just hasn't, he just hasn't stuck. But in this same game, Sam Darnold looked really good. So I just think that Trey Lance isn't the guy for San Francisco. Yeah, I would say believable in general. I think that no matter what, he's going to need a fresh start. Um, and I think that this preseason, if, especially if he doesn't have a good game this week, I think that's going to especially show. Um, I think a fresh start for both sides will be good. Um, and, yeah, this preseason, I mean, the offense overall did not look good throughout that entire game. But, like I said, you expect more out of a guy who you spend such a high draft pick on. And so, because of that, I'm going to say believable as well. I don't know where he would be that good fit because it will be interesting to see how things work out around the league. But I would not be shocked if come the end of the preseason he wound up getting traded. All right, last question before we move on to the NBA. Um, In a recent interview with Pro Football Talk, Max Crosby said that I can't even talk, was asked about not making the playoffs. And he said, I'm sick of that shit. He added, every single day I come in here, I think about winning. I don't do this year round to come in and not make the playoffs. I want to get back in the playoffs. I want to be in Cincinnati on the road in a hostile environment. That's why I play the game. That's why I work the way I work. I come here and I do this all year. And all I said and like I said, I want to win championships. I want to be at the top of the game. I want to be the number one guy regardless of position. But I work for that every single day. I mean, it's understandable. I can understand why Max Crosby is sick of it, putting all this work, not getting anything to really show for it. And I mean, typically when players get frustrated, it does lead to some trade requests. So, believable or buffoonery, Max Crosby will request a trade from the Raiders if they miss the playoffs again this season. I think it's believable. Um, just because when you look at it, like, he's been a really good pass rusher for, I'll say, like, what, the past four, maybe five seasons. And 
he hasn't made the playoffs at any point. And, like, you look up and you see all of these, like, you see all of these teams that make it. And it's been kind of, and especially in the standpoint of, like, you're in the division where, like, yes, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. But, like, you can sneak. I feel like in a division, outside of the Chiefs, it hasn't really been that great. Like, you can sneak a wild card appearance at least once in that division. And they haven't. So, I think he will oppress the trade. I mean, we were talking about it uh, last year. There was so much speculation that, like, three teams could come out of the AFC West. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, but I would counter that with you You have to factor in all the other teams in the AFC who were vying for a playoff spot. So the best bet for any team in any conference is to win their division so you don't have to worry about trying to fight for three of the wild card spots. Because, I mean, what, it's 16 teams – you take away the four uh, division champions, and so that's 12 teams fighting for three places. So I think it's much harder than, like, just focusing on your own division. But I can see it happening because, I mean, I've talked about it with a friend of mine. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if Miles Garrett, if the Browns don't make the playoffs this year, if he requested a trade. Just because not saying that you're being wasted, like your talents are being wasted because, I mean, it has a point. You know, you're making a whole bunch of money. You're making history, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, if you want to win and you're not winning, the older you get, that desire to win isn't just going to go away. So it wouldn't shock me if Max Crosby did mess around and request that trade. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA. Another kind of slow week across the board. But in some positive news, uh, it has been announced that the Suns will be retiring the jerseys of Sean Marion and Amari Stoudemire. So congratulations to both of them. For those of you who grew up in that era watching them play, them and Steve Nash, you you can understand why they're doing it. So congrats to them. Um, now moving on to some drama because what is a James Harden versus Philadelphia, I mean, Philadelphia 76ers week without drama? So earlier this week, it was reported by Woj, literally four days ago, that the 76ers have ended trade talks on all-star guard James Harden, and he is planning to return to training camp for this season. Mind you, that was four days ago. Then it came out two days later during an appearance at James Harden's, Harden's camp. He said, and it's on video, Daryl Murley is a liar and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Murray is a liar and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. That's a very interesting thing to say. Considering a couple year, a couple days ago, the team reportedly said they weren't going to trade you anymore. So now looking at it, what do you think just about this whole situation? Do you feel like James Harden's public tirade is going to help his cause or hurt his cause in terms of getting traded? I mean, the way that I see it, it really, this part of it really doesn't matter because it's like, at the end of the day, there was something that I saw on Instagram that said, do you really want to trade for James Harden, a guy that you've seen quit on now being, what, his third team? Yeah. In the span of a handful of years? Like, do you really want to add him to your roster? And it's like, I think what it boils down to is, 
is Daryl Morey was the one GM in the NBA that was cool with giving James Harden his way. And it was fine when he was doing it because James Harden was one of the top 10 best players in the NBA. Like, this was the dude that was getting 60-point triple-doubles, breaking scoring records, doing all of these. But now that he's older, he's not that player anymore. And so you can't get that leeway. And, like, from the trade, stand, from the trade standpoint, like, if you're really trying to go to a team that want, and you want to win, it's not that many options that I think you can go to be successful. And, like, if you do go, you're going to get a culture shock. Like, because they aren't going to put up with the same things that Daryl Moore put up with. So I just I don't think that it's gonna I don't think it's helping his cause because again it's it's just kind of kind of like oh you couldn't get your way so now I'm about to have a tantrum. Yeah, I think because we talked about this off air, but my thing is worst case scenario. Well, best case scenario is sure James Harden gets his trade, but like you said, either he goes to a team that has a made is a major culture shock for him. Or Daryl Moore is like, you know what? Screw you and trades him to a terrible team. You want to get traded so bad, you want to leave. Okay, I'll just take whatever offer I can get to get you up out of here. And so I get it. I feel like players should have agency in terms of where they end up and like where they go. But like you said, I mean, he pretty much picked going to Philly. And we we didn't talk about this on the show. Excuse me, but we talked about this in general. You didn't have to sign that player option. You could have been a free agent and gone wherever you wanted to go. And so I'm still kind of confused now that if you felt this type of way and you were so upset, why would you pick up your option? I mean, don't get me wrong. I can see 37 plus million reasons not to not to say no. But it's like if you feel this type of way and you're so upset, you could have been a free agent. You wouldn't even have to worry about this. You can go wherever you want to go. Maybe you don't make the same money that you're making right now. But at the very least, you wouldn't be in the situation you didn't want to be in. And so I think that I I like – I'll say this. I like that James Harden did this because it shows that, nah, they might have ended the trade talks, but it wasn't because I wanted to stay. I like it in the sense of he's kind of setting the record straight that this was not his decision because I respect that. I feel like as athletes, you know, you have a right to say how you feel. But on the other hand, I think that the way this whole situation has gone, I think all of it could have just been avoided had he not picked up his player option and gone wherever he wants to go because now he's kind of at liberty of Daryl Morey or just the organization in general because if they don't want to trade you, they don't have to trade you. If you want to hold out, that's cool, but you're going to get fined. Or if they do trade you, they could just send you to some bottom feeder in the NBA and be like, well, here you go, and then you got to thug it out there for a year or hope that they buy you out. So just across the board, I think the situation is messy. But who knows? So what do you think ends up happening? Does Harden get his trade, or do you think he does end up playing for the 76ers this year? I think, ultimately, I think he's going to end up trading. He's just going to, the real question is, is like, to where? Because I think, like, from in my opinion, from the Philly side of it, it's like, hey, bro, if you don't want to be here, we trying to we trying to win the ship. Like you can go. Yeah, and like you was helping us win one anyway. So yeah, you were like you, you did your normal thing once the playoffs hit. You had one good game against Boston, but once the playoffs hit, you crapped the bed and you 
shrunk. Like, we trying to win. So I can see them potentially making their trades. Trade him. You know, the question is to where. And like, if you're looking to get a guy that's comparable, who would you? Because you're not going to get a full-on superstar level talent. Yeah. Because James Harden isn't that anymore. But like, you can get a guy that is like a really good like star level talent as you compare with Joel and B. The question is, who would you want to go after? I just don't even think that. I think that. Well, let me start with saying. I think that if they were going to get that comparable player, that offer would have been made by now. I think that teams, like you said, have kind of seen James Harden and been like, you know what, I'm good. And which is fair because, I mean, he hasn't been that same guy that he was in Houston. But also on top of that, I mean, because now teams know that you want to be traded and you are making such a fuss about wanting to be traded, they're probably going to offer the 76ers pennies just because they know that they want to get him out the locker room. So I think that the 76ers are going to end up taking kind of a BS offer, one, to get him out of there, and two, to be like, all right, you want to leave, leave, and probably be petty about it. So I'll say this. I would be shocked if he ended up on the Clippers because apparently that's where he wanted to go. I think the last thing the 76ers want to do is send him where he wants to go, but I just have no idea where he's actually going to end up. All right, let's go ahead and play our game of Believable or Foolery and get up out of here. Quick game. Um, and we're going to start off with a former teammate of James Harden, and that is Cam Thomas of the Brooklyn Nets. Last season, he had some games where he balled out, but then after that, he phased out pretty quickly. Uh, however, he kind of talked about that and said that with the ball in my hand, I could average 25, no doubt, 25 easy when asked if he could ask what he would average if he was the go-to guy. I don't totally think that this is buffoonery because, I mean, we've we seen what he can do. But believable or buffoonery, uh, Cam Thomas could be an offense's go-to guy if given the opportunity. Uh, 100%. The only thing is, is can he be the go-to guy in a winning situation? Yeah. Like, I mean, we see, we see a lot of dudes on bad teams put up big numbers. Like, I mean... Jordan Clarkson. Trying to think worst team in the NBA right now. I mean, you could say. It technically would be Washington, but he wouldn't. He still wouldn't be the guy. It'd be Jordan Poole. It would be Jordan Poole. Um. I don't know. This off the top of my head, I can't think. I don't think the Magic are the worst team anymore. Utah had a solid overall year. Low key, who had the worst? Record was it the Horn Pistons who had the worst record? I think it was between them and the Spurs. And I don't think either of them, well, especially not now with the Spurs. But I don't think he would be the top guy on the Pistons. That'd be K. Cunningham, and obviously Wimby would be the top guy on the Spurs. So I don't know what team he could go to and be the top guy on, but I think he could ball ball out though. All right, last question. Speaking of Wimby. Uh, NBA 2K24 is coming out very soon. Last week, they came out with the top 10 highest rated players in the game. And then this week, it was announced that Wimby would be the highest rated rookie in 2K history, receiving an 84 overall rating. That's wild to me. 
So believable or buffoonery, Wimby's 2K rating is too high. I'm gonna say believable because in my opinion, if you gave LeBron a 78, how can you give Wimby a 84? Like Wimby essentially has the rating of an already established dude in the NBA. I know he's already rated higher than quite a, I think he's probably already rated higher than like guys like Fred Van Vliet. Um yeah. Like, which is wild. But yeah, like, you, you're giving him a rating that's higher than the established guys in the NBA. Like, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think he might have, like, a higher rating than, like, no, I was wrong. I haven't yeah. seen the full player ratings, so. But, like, you're still, like, you're giving him a absurdly high rating. Like, you're basically saying, like, oh, you're the guy that elevated. Because even Paolo wasn't that high coming in. Paolo was, like, I think he was, like, a 70. He ended up being, like, an 84, 85. But that was after he had, like, a rookie of the year season. Yeah, I think it's a joke. I mean, I get it. You're riding the whole generational talent. I understand. I hear you. But, no, I think it's too, way too high. And who knows, man. This could be a year where he struggles. Or I just wonder how long that 84 overall is going to hold up. Let me say that. Because a lot of things can happen around the NBA. Who knows how much he's actually going to play. So, I, I don't agree with it. But it is what it is. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please sure check out theexport.net. I repeat, theexport.net for exclusive sports content. Written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan, anything you want to say before we get up out of here? Um, I mean, go Titans, but James Harden, bro, you delusional. I don't know what they're more lied about. My thing is, if you're going to say to somebody, you might as well say what he lied about. No, for real, because I still don't know. My only guess is maybe he said he was going to sign him to a long-term contract extension. That's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, me too. But it's like, bro, you're, you're in your mid-30s. You already showed a, big, a decent decline. Like, do you really think, outside of, like, wanting a lot of money, do you really think you deserve a big contract is my question. Yes, because he's delusional. I, I've learned – actually, that's a, probably the biggest reason why I'm not – James Harden is my least favorite player in the league because he thinks way too highly of himself. And it's it's interesting to see that that has not changed as he has gotten older. So it'll be interesting to see how this whole situation shakes out. Um, as for me, closing remarks, please continue to support your girl, Colts.com, writing stuff every day. Check me out. Really appreciate it. Um, more content obviously coming. A couple of weeks, uh, Fantasy Football Guy will be dropping because – the Extra Point Fantasy Football League is in full effect. If you are interested in joining, please feel free to let me know. Uh, we can stand to add some new people, new blood in. Like I said, reach out to me one-on-one. I'll give you information how to join. Um, go Ravens. LSU is going to be playing soon. Can't wait to get revenge against Florida State for them beating us week one. But it's all right. We ain't got to talk about that. And, uh, yeah, I'm just in full football mode. I'm ready to see people get hit. I'm ready to see football be played. Um, But thank you guys again so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.